Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete podcast. My guest today is Adrienne Herbert. She is a speaker, podcast host of The Power Hour and a trainer at the UK's leading fitness app, Fit. Her podcast is brilliant and if you need a little pep talk or bit of motivation, it's a really great one to go and listen to. She delivers talks and workshops to companies such as Adidas, Google and Apple and she is really passionate about helping people change up their lives. She is now an author too of the book Power Hour, How to Focus Your Goals and Create a Life You Love, which we dig into in this episode. We discuss finding motivation, finding more time for the things we want to do, and she talks about why finding an hour in the day, an extra hour for yourself, transformed Adrienne's life, and we talk all about that, plus lots of helpful bits of advice in the book about living a life you love. I hope you enjoy this episode and Adrian's book is out now. So I think it is a great one to kick off 2021 with. So enjoy and here is the episode. I'm just going to tell people listening that we are doing this in person. Yes. So enjoy the crisp audio. I've been wanting to interview you for ages and ever since I went on your amazing podcast. I'm excited to turn the tables on you. So your book, Power Hour, I found really inspiring on many levels. We're going to go all different directions in this chat. But ultimately, for me, it's a story of reclaiming your time. And I've really been inspired by not just women, but people who have busy lives and you are a mother, basically saying my time matters as well. So could you tell us your personal story first of the Power Hour? Because you didn't just decide to do this one morning for no reason. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, the reclaiming your time is is so important. And for me, that's definitely, you know, where it started. So if I think back, you know, I haven't always been an early bird. I haven't always had a power hour. But when my son was about five years old, I think for any mothers, any fathers, parents listening, you'll know that, you know, early days, early years is, you know, it's, it's really has its joys, it has its highs, it has its lows, but it's challenging when it comes to your time. You know, you have someone attached to you there 24 hours a day, day and night. And yeah, I guess uh, when he was, I guess he was maybe just four or five um, and we'd, we'd been trying to have another baby and that wasn't going well at all. And we'd been trying everything and we'd been trying for years, actually. And then we, my husband and I, we decided we were going to do IVF treatment because it was kind of, you know, as I said, we tried so many different things um, over the years. And that was what was suggested to us as being our kind of last resort, if you like. So for anyone, again, who's done IVF, they'll know that is again, a very, very challenging thing to go through. But at the end of it, you know, I, I was pregnant and I was like, okay, it was worth it. And, you know, because you kind of, we'd saved all our money for that. We'd, you know, changed our plans for it. Everything was geared up to this, you know, one kind of shot. And yeah, it worked and I was pregnant, but it didn't last, unfortunately. And as so many pregnancies um, end in, you know, in, in early miscarriage, that happened to me. And actually it was a twin pregnancy. And I was so overwhelmed and excited the whole time but also so nervous as well so yeah when that all kind of went wrong and just it all just went basically and in a moment like you know that whole year of as I say saving and planning and just dreaming basically it's just gone everything it's kind of the rugs pulled from underneath you and you just think well at the time I just felt like 
where do I go from here? You know, like I can't carry on kind of feeling this way anymore. And so I really got to a point where change was just born out of necessity. I just thought I cannot feel like this anymore. I want to make a change. And it wasn't a dramatic change. It wasn't overnight. I didn't suddenly, you know, go, right, I'm going to run an ultra marathon across the world. It wasn't a big dramatic change. It was a very small change. But that change was to, yeah, lace up and run around the block for 20 minutes just to escape my own, you know, monotony of my kind of day that I was living at the time. And that 20 minutes led to 30 minutes, led to 40 minutes, led to, you know, it kind of went on from there. But actually what I what I decided at that time was throughout the day, I think we all do it, I wanted to give my time, my energy, my focus to my son, to my work, to my husband to my friends all these different things to whatsapps to emails and actually what I found that as you said with reclaiming your time I had started getting up earlier before my son was awake because I felt like that was the only time really when he was that age that I could create solitude and create some yeah just time for myself so I took that first hour I would head out for my run I'd come back I'd have a little stretch you know do whatever I wanted to do before he woke up and it really I can honestly truly tell you Emma it changed so many things in my life so many things it's not just about you know oh yeah I was I was I was out running I for the first time had time to think about anything I wanted to time to listen to audiobooks time to listen to podcasts I was just kind of I guess in this rabbit hole of learning and listening and trying out new things and thinking oh maybe I could I was listening to a lot of books about um entrepreneurship and and personal development and I was thinking oh maybe I'll give that a try actually and maybe I'll do do something like that and just the conversations I started to have the the energy that I had the relationships I had more more I was more creative I had I had, I had more patience we think I just felt like it was impacting so many areas of my life I thought I can't be the only person and obviously you know there's been lots of books written about people's early mornings and different people and how they do it so I thought well actually let me figure out what other people do, what's their first hour like. And so, yeah, I coined it as the power hour because that's what, what I call it, but then started to do talks about this and and then I started to, to do a podcast about it and I interviewed people from all different industries about what they do in the morning, how do they reclaim their time, how do they start their day. Um, and I often say that the first hour is like the first domino to fall. If you can start the day with something that makes you feel good, and that is for you, that will have yeah, a positive impact later on. Mm, I love that. And, you know, for anyone listening who, you know, their eyes may water at the 5.30am, just because, you know, scientifically, some of us are morning people, some of us are night owls, and that's like biological, we can't necessarily change that. I mean, I've tried so hard <laughs> to be a morning person, and I'm not. But what I took from this book is, my first hour of my day is extremely important as well. And sometimes it's just not looking at my phone for the first hour or very, very slowly going to the kitchen and making a cup of coffee and then getting back into bed for another half an hour and reading. For me, it's like the reader feels like, actually, hang on a minute, where is this hour in the day that's mine? Because a lot of people, I'm sure they're looking at their calendars and not seeing that. And so it's really, really important. And when we spoke on your podcast, you were so interested in my routine. This wasn't about everyone should conform to the same routine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I often say as well, trial and error, because it's not to say one size fits all. And if you do something for a short time, like my power hour, it's definitely ebbs and flows. I say it has seasonality, it changes. I think it's just about figuring out what do you actually want to do and prioritising your time. And again, just to 
bring it back to that reclaim. The word reclaim I use intentionally because it means to take back something that was previously previously yours that was lost or stolen. Your time is yours. You own it. You choose to give it away. You choose to spend it. So actually, yeah, figuring out what works for you, it doesn't have to be wake up, do this, do that. It's just, you've got to figure out what works for you before the rest of the world is going to be there because it's, we know, right, we're on demand 24-7 now. Mm -hmm. And exactly with um, the resilience factor, you know, I love books like yours that aren't just... I like books that are like soothing and gentle and kind, which yours yours is, but it's also like tough love. I need that. And that's why when I was going through the first lockdown and feeling a bit crap about myself, you were one of the people I turned to and said, what can I do? Because you are that source of motivation. That's what people come to you for. That is your brand. Like you helped me go on I went on 90 minute walks every day after you just said, you know, start slow, start easy. And it's tra- it's transformed my ability to now go running more. So I just, that's like a personal thank you. But I think people get confused. And I do sometimes with this term self-care. For me, self-care actually sometimes isn't watching Netflix for three hours. It can be, mm. it can be, but it can also be putting on my trainer's doing something hard Mm. would you be able to talk about your phrase we can do hard things absolutely yes I think there's so much of what you said there and I was nodding along and I was thinking one around self-care because that's definitely a topic that comes up so much and people will as you said say self-care is like you know go and get in the bath or lay on the sofa and watch tv and you know self-care is important and it really really is but I don't think we should define what self-care is for one person on one day it might be very different to what you need and I often say to people about Think about being compassionate to yourself right now in this moment and also being compassionate to your future self because there's things that we can do in the immediate right now that we know our future self is not going to be glad about. For example, when we when we have two more drinks or three more drinks and then the next morning we have a foggy head and we don't feel great and we kind of go, oh, it's like thinking about both because trust me, as a, as a parent, many parents will know that and in the morning you go, oh. So it's kind of that thing of, you know, think about being compassionate to yourself in the moment but also what is your future self going to be going to be grateful to? And when it comes to the you can do hard things, which is, I guess, my, my mantra for life, and as you described it, tough love, I really like that because it is from a place of love. So you can do hard things is a phrase that I use for myself and for others when I need it. And it's basically to say that instead of us thinking, you know what, because people do ask me about motivation, like it's this magic thing that you're just going to have it. Actually, forget about motivation, forget about, you know, practice makes perfect, forget about rehearse it until you don't feel nervous anymore. Just accept that some things are hard. They might always be hard. Running a marathon is hard. Writing a book is hard. Sometimes, you know, standing up and giving a talk in front of your your co-workers, your peers, it's hard. But you can do those things in spite of it being hard instead of trying to convince yourself that once it feels easier, then I'll be able to do it. Because it might never, but you can still do it. And I think that's what I've learned is giving myself you know, the courage to say, you can do hard things, Adrienne. You've done harder things than this before. You can do this. Totally. And I feel like some pushback comes from people being almost like, oh, but it's not easy and you've made it look easy. How do I do that? in an easy way and I and I definitely got that response from when I wrote my book people were like but it's not easy and I'm like I never said it was like look at the page of the book have I ever said this is easy not once mm. and I think it's really important to say that like 
this isn't going to be easy. Like carving up your power hour for the first few weeks, I'm sure, is really tough, right? Mm-hmm. Was it for you? Yeah, for sure. And I think it still is sometimes, you know, it's not yeah, exactly that saying to people, here's a here's a some quick tips and hacks and to make it easier. That's certainly not what I'm doing, because I think it would be doing people a disservice to say to them that it's going to be easy or for them to ex- have the expectation that it's going to be easy. So if you have the expectation that this is going to be hard, but you know what? hard work is never wasted I know that there's going to be benefit reward whatever it is that you need but you need to just yeah forget about trying to make it easy this is what I think as well about books like this is like if people are wanting to carve out more time they're going to reach for your book if people are very much happy with the way their life currently is they don't need the book like do you know what I mean I feel like sometimes people like think that a statement means it's for everyone Mm. and it might not be yeah, exactly. I think that's it's more for, you know, what you said then. Do, how's that working for you? That's always a good you know place to start. If you want to make small changes to your life, if there's some area of your life, whether it's personal, professional, whether you have a, a fitness goal, a career goal, and you're kind of fed up, I guess, with, well, I've tried this and I've tried that. And sometimes you kind of we get stuck in a cycle as well of our the things that we use to identify ourselves and our beliefs about what's possible for our lives. You know, when I think back over my life, maybe like labels that I've been given or ways I maybe would have described myself, whether that's by my mum, by my peers, by my school teachers, you know, talks too much, easily distracted, all these different things that we can take on those, those identities and be in this box. But that might be who you were 20 years ago, 10 years ago, last year. But we change. We're allowed to change. We grow. We evolve. I always want to be changing. And so I challenge myself to think about, okay, what are the the labels or the names? For example, I could say to you, I'm a mother. I'm a runner. I'm a podcaster. There's all these different things. And it's like, well, what does that actually mean? How does that define me? And so I try to think about, well, who am I becoming or who do I want to become? You know, what are the things that I value in my life the most? What are the things that bring me the most joy, give me more energy than they take? What are the things that I want to look back on my life and, and have enjoyed? And so that's the way I try to think about, you know, working towards something. It's not saying, you know, do more or, you know, self-improve because you need to be better than you are now. It's just saying if there's something in, if you know you, you there's something in you that you want to do or that you know you everyone I believe has something big or small then make it happen you know you owe it to yourself like give yourself that whether it's through an extra hour in the morning whether it's through signing up to a course whether it's through starting a a side hustle whatever the thing is you owe it to yourself don't worry about this notion of well you know you're trying this now or you're doing that now or it's a fad or it's a trend we're allowed to change we're allowed to try on new things just like read you know I read so many things I go oh I'm gonna give that a go oh that might work for me some of it sticks some of it doesn't and that's fine yeah totally and I was thinking actually today about um, this amazing article that Penny Winsor wrote she's a carer and she was saying in defense of having her side hustle people would always say you do too many things Penny like you've got children and you've got um, your work and you've got other things and she was like why do people always say that I should take away the thing that actually is for me and I was also thinking about another friend who has a child she has she's a carer for one of her parents she has a full-time job and she carves out an hour every morning before her full-time job to write her novel and she's now on her second novel wow and and it makes so much sense for people who might not be able to do the morning thing just mm-hmm. because they 
like a half asleep, do you put it in your calendar? Do you block it out? What do you do to make sure that that hour does not get taken away by anyone else? Absolutely, yes. So the power hour, whatever time you do it, definitely needs to have some non-negotiables. needs to have some things where you say, okay, maybe that non-negotiable is that you turn off your phone or you you know airplane mode you don't look at emails you focus on that one thing that is for you or maybe it's that you need to communicate to other people because let's be honest we don't live our lives alone so if you have to communicate to other people whether it's a partner whether it's colleagues actually this hour I am not going to be available this hour it's really important to me and you know make sure they understand it's really important to me I really want you to support me doing this I need this time I need to create this I need to have an hour where i I don't know, go to Pilates or an hour where I read or an hour where I write, but make it non-negotiable, be clear to other people. And then I guess most importantly is prioritise it for yourself. Don't allow it to go down and down and down on your to-do list, on your kind of prioritisation list, because what you do, I think we all tend to do this, I know I certainly do sometimes, is that other people's needs, other people's wants, other people's requests, um, we we give them more value than our own. And it's not to say it's not, you know, it's very noble to, to do things uh, in service of others, but actually putting yourself at the bottom of your priority list is never going to help anyone. You can't give what you don't have. So actually make it a priority. And just as you would if it was an appointment with somebody else, you wouldn't want to let them down. You wouldn't cancel on them five minutes before. Make it a priority for yourself. Yeah, because for me, this book is about boundaries as much as anything. Like saying, look at your life, look at your calendar. What what are you dreading? And what do you love doing? And how can you tweak accordingly? Because I love Martha Beck. Like she always says, just do more of the stuff that brings you joy. And it's so simple, like laughably simple when she says that. But I'm like, oh, yeah. Like I haven't even sat down and seen like colour coded what like the actual good bits are of my diary. And you talk um, about energy throughout the day. So obviously if you're running a marathon, that's a different amount of energy than writing a book, which is a lot of mental energy. How do you look at your calendar and make sure it fits for you? Oh, that's a great question, because I guess, to be honest, until this year, I'd never written a book before. So I didn't necessarily understand how, yeah, how how much energy that would take. And I think it's always, yeah, it's quite easy to think, well, training for a marathon, of course, you need to have, you need to sleep well, you need to recover well, you need to, those things apply to everything that we do that requires energy, whether that's, yeah, writing, creating a project. If you want to give your full time and energy and attention to something, then you can't, you know, the idea of spreading yourself too thin. It's like, I'm very good at doing things in isolation. So I would do you know, blocks of, okay, I'm just doing this. That's how I focus the best. As I said, I'm very easily distracted. So I can't multitask. I don't, I don't, you know, I think multitasking maybe has, has been praised in the past. Other times it's demonized. But for me, it's all about focus. So I will say, okay, I'm doing this between 6am till midday and I can't do anything else and I'm just going to write and write and write and write but as you said after that I'm sometimes like oh my gosh I can't do anything else I can't think I can't you know form a sentence so I think giving knowing what works for you and figuring out okay maybe you work better in those sprints maybe actually you work better as someone who kind of does you know there's different techniques right so like 40 minutes and then you take a break or you might do I know some people who can literally do half an hour on one task half an hour on another task and they kind of piece it all together at the end of the day so I think definitely figuring out what works for you but knowing that 
the brain as an organ actually uses more energy than any other organ in the body. So it's a big, yeah, it's a big, uh, uses a lot of, from a cellular level, you know, mitochondrial level, it takes a lot of calories. It uses a lot of energy. So if you want to perform at your best, if you want to feel good, and that's everything from your mood to your hormones, if you want to feel good, then it's not just saying, okay, do more, do more, do more. I really want to take a hammer to that. You know, it's not that. It's actually, you still need to recover. You still need to rest. You still need white space, as I call it, which is time in your diary where there's nothing actually there's nothing at all it's not it's not a buffer of time to fill with other things it's just white space the italians say the dolce finente the sweetheart of doing nothing we don't have that in in england because it's like idleness or laziness you know you're doing nothing you should fill your time with something no it probably seems quite contradictory as well to say wait you want us to get up early but then later on do nothing but i do because that's you know that later on you can decide what you want to do with that with that nothing time i love that i saw something on instagram the other day this quote that was like my free time is not an invitation (laughs) and i was like oh my god that's amazing because i definitely do you know when i share my diary with a few people on my team and like sometimes they'll be like oh i see that you've got some free time there and i'm like Yes, and it is free. (laughs) And it's going to stay free. free. But I love that you rephrase a lot of things or replace words in your book. So you, I love this, you say that there's not good or bad, but there's useful and not useful. And also just simple things like when you replace the word exercise with movement. Were you just... um, like wary of kind of this book I don't know it doesn't tell people what to do it just opens up like an invitation to discuss it absolutely yeah and I used I was very intentional about that switch out of the word uh, movement instead of exercise as someone who's worked in the wellness and, and fitness space for almost a decade I've seen and heard and talked to so many people. I've been so lucky. I've had to work with, you know, Olympic athletes. I get to work with new mothers. I get to work with people of different ages, gender, shape, size, colour, you name it. I've been so lucky in that instance and in the wellness space. So I definitely think people have an idea in their mind of exercise. They're either, I'm an exercise person, I'm not an exercise person. You know, I'm not a runner or I'm not a gym goer. We have these ideas. So I say to people, forget about exercise Let's talk about movement. We're all, our bodies are born to move. We move, you know, when you're born and you, if, you know, and I take my son to school and I watch the kids in the playground literally run after each other, chase each other, climb a tree, climb over things, jump over a bag. We move. It's natural for us. So I try to encourage people, yeah, to look at how how can they move more? What kind of movement do they enjoy? What kind of movement do you hate? If you've got something coming up, for example, you want to do if you wanted to become a runner, you say, right, I'm going to take on running this year. If you dread it before, if you don't enjoy it when you're doing it, and if you hate it afterwards, before, during and after, why are you doing that kind of movement? There's so many other things you could do. Maybe you want to try box fit. Maybe you want to try yoga. Maybe you want to try a dance class. There's so many ways we can move. Personally, I've always struggled with swimming. I don't enjoy being in the water. I don't feel safe. I've got all these different things around swimming. And I, for a while, was like, I need to get over this. I need to learn to swim. I need to have swimming lessons. I'm going to sign up for a triathlon because that will force me to conquer this swimming thing. I would be miserable training for a triathlon because I would hate being in the water. I would hate doing the swimming. I would hate it. So, you know, you don't have to do what everyone else is doing or do what you're, you you think you should be doing. But actually movement is a universal thing that I think everyone, whether you're, whether they're a dietitian, a GP, a psychologist, I think the one we all, they all give us different 
there's so many so much advice now varying advice but the one thread that I think they all agree on is that we would all benefit from moving more Mm. yeah and my I would say my power hour at the moment is lunch times um, 1 p.m to 2 p.m is like my sort of like okay I'm gonna go for a walk now and I trick myself because I save up an audiobook or a podcast that's an hour long and I think and I'm like oh I want to listen to that but I'm actually walking yeah like fun thing covered up by the walk um so for anyone listening who is wondering how someone like you who is just someone who does get a lot done because you've learned and taught yourself how to and it's amazing what does switching off look like for you Mm. because that's it's a hard one isn't it sometimes when things you enjoy is a switch off like reading for me is switching off that people will be like yeah but you're reading yeah, absolutely. I think coming back to that white space, that's something I I do find it more difficult to go, OK, Adrienne, you're going to do nothing. And as you said, not use it as a buffer time to go, oh, I really want to listen to this podcast or I really want to read that. Trying to do nothing is something that I'm getting better at. And breath work is actually a practice that has been game changing for me as someone who's never engaged with the idea of just a sitting meditation, sit quietly, even though people tell me you of all people. Yeah, you're always busy. You need to sit and chill. So for me, breath work's been a real kind of hack to go, wow, this is actually I can get on board with this. I can do it. I don't dread it. I don't I don't hate it. I can enjoy it. And also, I think, you know, being a mother, I'm so lucky because when I'm with Jude, you know, children, they don't have a concept of time. Time is just this flexible thing. You know, if you say to if, you, if I say to my son, we need to go in 10 minutes, do these things. He doesn't doesn't mean anything to him. 10 minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes. It doesn't mean anything. There are some adults like that, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I sometimes just challenge myself to just go into Jude's kind of time zone and just go, you know what? It's really refreshing to see try and put yourself in their shoes and you know it's like especially given the year of lockdown where he was at home and I was homeschooling and I was like you know what actually sometimes when the time just passes when you don't realize that oh we haven't even had lunch and we're we're still doing this thing that is that for me was like the best feeling because I don't have that usually everything is you know I've got to go here I've got to go there what time does that finish it's it's structured and scheduled and I enjoy that but when that was taken away and I really was like oh okay you know we're gonna you know, build this tower and out of Lego that's literally got a, mil- a gazillion pieces. I'm like, how can you build an an avatar out of Lego that's got a thousand pieces, but you can't like load the dishwasher? So you know, there's like going into something that they just all of their focus, all of their attention, it's on one thing, and they're not distracted. They're not. They don't have emails. They don't have WhatsApp. He's not thinking like, oh, it's quarter to two at two o'clock. I've got it. There's none of that. So yeah, that was a lesson for me to kind of just forget about time. I love that so much. Like in many ways, we forget how to play, don't we, as adults? And I've been reading a lot about, you know, the the going back to the childhood self in many ways, as also to do with like losing your ego a little bit. Because apparently, with children, when they look in the mirror, they don't say that's me. They'd say like, and this one, they're really small, but they'd say like that's, and they'd say their name mm. because they they just see themselves as a thing they don't see themselves as like this individual yet Mm, yeah amazing yeah and the ego thing I think is really interesting because yeah definitely witnessing I mean he's nine now but when you think back to three four five even six years old you know they try so many different things and they don't rate themselves as being a good swimmer or a good singer or a good reader they just do you know they just dive in it's like oh I'm doing gymnastics today or I'm swimming today or I'm reading they just dive in and I think if we could all do that as adults I mean how refreshing if we could do things without without assigning 
uh, a metric or, or, or assigning something to ourselves to define us, whether we're good or, or bad or professional or not professional. Or, and actually amateur, I think someone said to me recently on my podcast, a, a photographer, Nathan Gallagher, and he says something I can't remember exactly, but about it's from the French amour, from the heart. And it's the idea that you're doing something for the love of it rather than, and that's what an amateur is. And I love that because I was like, wow, actually we can just do so many things. Remember hobbies? Remember when we used to have hobbies? And it wasn't like, oh, if you're good at that, you should do it on YouTube. If you're good at that, you should sell it. If you're good at that, you could just do something for fun, for play. And that was okay. I love that. And not Instagram it. Even though it would be tempting. She'd be like, look at me playing guitar. <laughs> I love that. Um, so I just wanted to s- switch gears quickly because there was a bit in the book that I didn't expect would be in it. And it really surprised me in a really good way. The Ooh. chapter about power of people. Yes. And you really give some amazing advice on... It, it felt to me like the book is about... It is about improving your own life and diary and outlook on things. But it's also about community and friends and people... There was a bit about um, social media, but also reaching out to people and making things happen. And this is so random, but I just really wanted to bring it up because I loved it. But I personally have just been thinking about how annoying I find it when people say thanks in advance. Me too. (laughs) And how people are like, look forward to hearing back on this or like, yeah, thanks in advance for this. And it's like, oh my God. So anyway, in the book, people listening there are do's and don'ts of just how to network but in a way that feels really natural what made you want to include it oh gosh yeah it's interesting you said that because honestly writing that chapter was one of the chapters that came easy the, the most easily just it just flowed you know it's really just, good it's really practical yeah that chapter just flowed out so the reason I wanted to include that was because it's my most frequently asked questions people ask me that how did you meet that person how did you get that guest on your podcast how did you and I don't think they're all I think often they're surprised when I say to them I sent them a long email I read their book and I loved it so much I sent them an email I tweeted them and they go oh you, you that's literally how you met them I'm saying yeah it is but I didn't just hound I didn't just reach out to 10 random people and without any context without knowing their work and just ask them for a favor so yeah I do think it's really important in that you know talk about in that chapter about different relationships that we have in our network it's not just a career you know network network but actually the different relationships our peer group our friends our friends of friends the people that we spend time with in real life and the people that we spend time with online listening to their podcasts watching their TED talks you know I've got mentors who I've never even met so I think the power of people and the power of community has certainly helped me in my life I wouldn't be able to do the things that I do today I wouldn't have you know the the amazing experiences and the things that I I have in my life that I love the most without the people past and present that have helped me yeah and when you think about reclaiming your time this is what made me think this is so interesting is if I was to carve out an hour in the day to sit down and actually think who do I want to reach out to because a lot of it is very it's inbound like a lot of it comes into my inbox and actually being proactive you know I get a lot of pitches for the podcast well what about the people I want to actually interview (laughs) like myself so I think um just when we talk about time don't you think that's so so important isn't it if you're constantly yeah, reacting, responding, as you said, going through requests, that's brilliant and what an amazing thing to be able to do. But when do you, as you say, flip it on the other side and go, Emma, what would you love to do in the next year, whether that's professionally, personally? Who would you love to interview? Who would you love to have a coffee with? Who, who, Whose book would you love to read? Who would love to hear from you? You know, having the time sometimes to write an email or, or phone 
your your mom or a friend you haven't spoken to for a while like who how do you want to spend your time as well because by the time we've responded to all those things and I'm terrible at overcommitting because I want to say yes I want to say yeah sure I can do that yeah sure I'd love to I overcommit then where's the time left so yeah I think flipping it around and going actually it's great that you 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 have these these inbounds and these friends and it, what a, what a nice thing as well to know people want your time. I know I don't want to sound like I'm complaining. All these bloody messages coming in. <laughs> no, but I think we all do it sometimes. <laughs> Remember pre lockdown when we used to go to events and we'd rush from one thing to the next. And I I have to remind myself sometimes. I'm like Adrian, how lucky are you that these people want to spend their time with you, but also. Who do you want to spend your time with? Mm, Totally. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on and talking about your book. And I think it's just going to reach people when they need it, to be honest, because our routines are so up in the air. I feel like now's a good time to have a think. Mm. We've got January coming around the corner. Like, it's good to sit down and look at what your life looks like and how we can change it. Um, Is there anything, just lastly, that you really remember from your own podcast? Because... I know that you interview so many people, but is there anything that just like stayed in your mind? Because I know you've interviewed a lot of people now. Oh, yes. You know what? There's quite a few. And the one that just came into my mind then was um, a an activist and a poet. He came on my show way back at the start and his name's Carl Loco. And he shares his journey and his story, which is one of true transformation. I mean, you want to talk about change, his life wow, it blew my mind. It just gives me chills even thinking about it. And his story is a is a true testimony that where we start is not where we finish and that change is possible, transformation is possible, we can overcome challenges, we can do hard things. So that episode really did inspire and encourage me to think change is possible, not just for, for me and for the people that I know in my life, but for anyone. And just quickly, because I wrote down his name, he is someone that stood out to me in your book so much. Could you just, in a really quick nutshell, explain mm. where he came from, like what he experienced growing up to what he's doing now? Absolutely, yep. So he, wow, so yeah, his, I guess, yeah, the short version is that he lived in Brixton. He grew up with knife crime, with gun crime, with uh, in the gang culture, essentially, and was a gang leader. So he actually witnessed deaths he witnessed deaths of his friends parents his friends people going to jail people being stabbed and shot in front of him and as as a as a young adult and when his life changed when he met uh, a pastor called pastor mimi and he went through a whole really kind of traumatic period of change and growth and he found god and he found christ and he changed his entire life he had to remove people from his life he had to change his network of his friends he had to change his daily routine he had to force change and his life now well it doesn't look he's like he is about a six foot five friendly giant he is a father he's a husband he is a speaker he's an advisor to you know he works with prince harry richard branson he has raised i don't even know how much money probably millions by now for for different organizations for different charities different causes he speaks around the world and and encourages young people and young people in disadvantaged communities to show to them that change is possible because at one point in his life he had two options jail or death and now he you know he says actually in his interview that he's like every year that i'm here that one of my friends isn't i look at my life and i think wow another year Mm. so so powerful what can happen when you reclaim your time 
Yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you so, so much. Uh, The Power Hour is actually out today. Um, This episode has gone out on the 31st of December. So go and get your copy. And you know what, Emma? Can I just say that's hearing you say that is mad because for so long it's been, it's coming soon, it's coming soon, pre order. And you're right. Today, I'm just going to take a moment. Today, today today is official and it is out. Wow. Happy publication day. Thank you, Emma. (laughs) Thank you so much.